Hello and welcome to Sacred Heart Radio. I'm Father Michael Delcom, pastor of our community, and I'm grateful you've joined us today. Before we dive into today's message, I want to thank you for your support. At Sacred Heart, we're super excited about our mission to encounter Jesus and become missionary disciples. None of this would be possible without the incredible generosity and dedication of our supporters like yourself. Whether it's through prayer, time, or financial contributions, you allowed us to carry out our mission and touch the lives of countless individuals. If our ministry has helped you along the way, either with this podcast or with our online streaming, please consider financially partnering with us if you're not doing so already. We want to continue our virtual presence in an ever-challenging world, and your support allows us to do that. You can visit shbrusard.org and click the Give button. There you can find ways to support and partner with us on our mission. Another way to support us in our mission is just to share this content with others. Again, on behalf of our team, thank you for listening today. Let's get to today's content as we grow together. Good evening. We come to week two of our Advent preaching series on Mary. So last week we talked about the reality that there was a problem in creation, that of original sin, that man had fallen. But God had a plan. He had a plan for the restoration of his children for the salvation of his people. And that plan involves a person, as we saw, prophesied in the Old Testament and further seen in the New Testament. That person involved in that plan is Mary. So we understood, so we talked about why was Mary important for this plan? What was her role in it? This week we'll talk about the how. Last week we talked about the why. This week we talk about how is Mary important for this plan? How, how is she prepared for this plan? We kind of played on the term last week of handmaid. You know, we talk about how Mary is the handmaid of the Lord. She's a servant of the Lord. But we also talked about how in English, there's that double play on the word handmaid. We could talk about how something is specially made. It's handmade. It's made with a particular purpose. And we see God command certain things in the Old Testament to be handmade, to be specially made with great care. God went through great detail to describe how he would fashion a place for his presence to be reverenced. We hear of the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. These particular things in the Old Testament were only a portion of God's glory and presence would dwell and God gave them very specific instructions of what materials to use, how long it had to be, how big, how wide. But God also took particular detail in forming Mary for himself. She says, I am the handmaid of the Lord. In another way, she could have almost said, I am handmade by the Lord for this role, for this purpose. Because think of this, if God took so much care with these particular items where only a portion of his glory dwelt among men, how much more care would he take in preparing a vessel that would carry the fullness of divinity within her womb? How much more effort would he take? And that is why we talk about the reality of the Immaculate Conception, which is the feast, the solemnity we just celebrated yesterday, a holy day of obligation. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, 
The Lord is with you. That's the angel Gabriel to the Blessed Virgin. Full of grace. This is the first inkling we have in Scripture that Mary is different than other human beings, that there's something special about her because whenever the angels of the Lord encounter other individuals, they never say, full of grace. That's a very particular thing. In fact, the angel Gabriel is saying, you are so full of grace that it pours out of you. It overflows from you, the very particular grace that God has placed within you. Pope Pius IX, in declaring the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, says the most blessed Virgin Mary was from the first moment of her conception by a singular grace and privilege of Almighty God in virtue of the merits of Jesus Christ, Savior of the human race, preserved, immune from all stain of original sin. So we had that problem, you know, the original sin, it was being passed from generation to generation, which each one would come about, the original sin would be passed down like a birthmark or birthright almost. But that would create a problem because God could not have that upon him. Think about that. He could not have that that stain of sin upon him. He would not be the unblemished lamb offered for sacrifice for all men and thus to break that chain, that unbroken chain of original sin from one generation to the next, God places in Mary a particular grace that in the moment of her conception that he says, no, not this one. Of course, this particular grace comes by the merits of Jesus upon the cross because we think of the cross as a, a singular event in time, but it's an event in time, it's an eternal event. It goes both forwards and backwards with its grace. God needs a vessel, and Mary is enriched from the instant of her conception with a unique holiness that comes wholly from Christ. It's not her own holiness. It's not her own merit. It is a grace given to her by Christ for this particular reason. She is redeemed in a more exalted fashion by reason of the merits of her son, by the work he will do upon the cross. And we hear in Ephesians 1, 3 to 4, the Father blessed Mary more than any other creature, created person in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places and chose her in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. So thus, even God knew this, this, this issue was going to happen or the fall, and thus he knew from the beginning he was going to need Mary, and he planned for her in his mind to bring about from the very beginning of creation. And she has a very particular role. And St. Bernard of Clairvaux says, Mary is given to the world to be a full aqueduct. An aqueduct is a Roman architecture piece that helps transport water. It, it, it transports large quantities of water over great distance. It's an angle. And St. Bernard of Clairvaux that says, Mary, because she carries the Savior of the world in her womb, because of her yes to God's plan, becomes like an aqueduct flowing with graces for all of humanity so that heavenly gifts may flow from God through her to all men. We hear in the Catechism in paragraph 722, the Holy Spirit prepared Mary by his grace 
It was fitting that the mother of him in whom the fullness of deity dwells bodily should herself be full of grace. She was by sheer grace conceived without sin as the most humble of creatures, the most capable of welcoming the inexpressible gift of the Almighty. It was quite correct for the angel Gabriel to greet her as the daughter of Zion, to say, rejoice. It is the thanksgiving of the whole people of God and thus of the church which Mary in her canticle lifts up to the Father in the Holy Spirit while carrying within her the eternal Son. So God, by giving her this particular grace, she becomes this perfect vessel, a perfect recipient to receive Jesus into her. It's like whenever you're working on a motor, like a boat motor, and you're having trouble cranking it and you're working on it, and you you do everything to prime it, to get it ready to crank over. You take that green gas and you spray it into the carburetor. It's kind of like that with the Blessed Virgin Mary. God crafted her, poured all these graces so that in that particular moment of salvation history, she would be willing and able and desiring to say yes to his plan. Because God does not force Mary into this. He invites her into it. And because she's been preserved from the stain of original sin, she She doesn't have the same compulsions we have to maybe run away from God, but instead, when she hears the words of the angel, she hears the plan. She says, be it done unto me according to your word. I am the handmaid of the Lord. She's open. She's receptive. And thus, from this, we have the reality of how she's able to do this. So she's prepared, but then... Now we have the virginal birth, the conception of our Lord within her womb. And she she asked the question of God, how is this to happen? How can this be since I've had no relations with a man? We hear that in Luke 134. What does the angel Gabriel say? The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This term overshadow in the Jewish context, is understood in that of a a nuptial context from the Old Testament. And thus, in this moment, we can call her Mary, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, because in a way she is. She receives him. He overshadows her. And in that moment, Jesus is conceived. The Holy Spirit is the spouse of Mary again when it comes to her motherhood of Christ. Insofar as she is the mother of Christ, the second person of the Trinity, there is this spousal reality. Mary, in this moment, because with any paternity and maternity, what is provided? Something's provided by the parents. From the father is provided paternity. From the mother, maternity. It's the same thing. Mary provides the humanity for Christ. She provides her flesh that God himself may come amongst men. The Holy Spirit, by the overshadowing, provides the divinity within Christ. And thus, in this singular person of the God-man, this singular person, he is both fully human and fully divine. Now, you may ask, what about St. Joseph? Wasn't he married to Mary? Yes, but... 
Joseph, he can give fatherhood to Jesus. He can be that foster father, that adopted father, but he cannot provide paternity for the, for the savior of the world. He can't give divine paternity. Mary's virginity then, in this moment, manifests God's absolute initiative in the incarnation, and thus we can say Jesus has only God as his father, as his origin, as we hear in Catechism, paragraph 503. So the problem is, again, that original sin, it separates God from man, and there is a need for God to reunite humanity to himself. There's a great chasm because of the fall. And again, Joseph can't provide what he does not have. He cannot provide the divinity for the Messiah. And the conception of Christ was of supernatural means. It was not of a natural order or a natural action. It was of a supernatural action that preserved Mary's virginity. In fact, some of the early fathers talk about that Mary actually conceives Christ by receiving the word of God, by receiving the announcement of the angel Gabriel, that as she hears these words, she conceives Christ within her heart and then within her womb. And as God desires to reunite man with himself, St. Athanasius said this great line. He says, God became man that man might become like God, that man might be restored to the holiness he was intended to have from the beginning, to have that relationship, to walk with God in the garden. By his virginal conception, Jesus, the new Adam, ushers in the new birth of children adopted in the Holy Spirit through faith. Participation in divine life then arises not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of God. Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary's womb because he is the new Adam who inaugurates a new creation. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven, as we hear in 1 Corinthians And by his virginal conception, Jesus, the new Adam, ushers in the new birth, again, not of blood or of will of the flesh, but of a new birth from God for each and every one of us, and that's in the reality of our baptism. This acceptance of this life is virginal because it is entirely the Spirit's gift to man. The spousal character of the human vocation in relationship to God is fulfilled perfectly in Mary's virginal motherhood, in her reality of being a virgin, of receiving of this purity of faith, of this purity of reception. She fulfills her vocation perfectly. And again, Mary is a virgin because her virginity is a sign of her faith in God. Mary is more blessed because she embraces faith in Christ than because she conceives the flesh of Christ in her womb, because she conceives Christ in her heart of hearts. She is more blessed because of that, and then the conception is a natural or supernatural consequence because she conceives Christ within her heart. And again, this is a reality. Mary is not just a virgin, but that of a virgin mother. And not just the mother of Jesus, but as we will hear about more next week, 
but also she has a spiritual motherhood that extends to all men whom indeed Christ came to save. At once virgin and mother, Mary is the symbol of the most perfect realization of the church. That's what we call her model of the church. The church indeed, by receiving the word of God in faith, becomes herself a mother in imitation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The church acts as that mother that he receives the word of God made flesh, the word of God proclaimed and conceives children in faith. Children conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of God to a new and immortal life. She herself is a virgin who keeps its in its entirety and purity the faith she has pledged to her spouse. So, in summary, God's plan was to have a spotless vessel, an immaculate vessel, one free of the contagion of original sin, so that he may enter into the world, and the immaculate conception is the planned way this happens. Again, there was a problem. God had a plan. That plan involved a particular person, that of the Blessed Virgin Mary, whom he handmade, particularly crafted, And the virginal birth points to the divine origin of Jesus, that he is not of man, but that he is of God. It points to God's absolute initiative in the incarnation, that Christ, as the prophecies talked about, would be of ancient, of old, of eternal. He only has God as his true father. Of course, St. Joseph is the adopted father of Jesus. He provides that particular role of raising and looking after and protecting the Lord. And because of that, he has a particular place of honor and privilege, but Joseph is just the adopted father. God is Christ's true father. Next week, we will talk about Mary's motherhood and how we all share Mary as our mother, how we share her with Christ as our mother, how she has taken us in and I just encourage you to pray with this, to realize that, again, God had a plan, and Mary plays a particular role in that plan. And in that, Christ comes into the world. And again, Mary's particular graces, particular blessings, her particular role, it not comes by her merits, but because God has deigned to bless her with these things. It's not her power or her authority. As we said, everything we talk about Mary ends up leading us to know something more deeper about Christ. And thus, in the Immaculate Conception, we see that that Christ is both fully God and fully man. And as with the virginal birth, her perpetual virginity continues to show us the realities about whom and what Christ is.